section. Introduction. We're going to talk about a hot topic in the world of data science and machine learning. In recent times, we've seen a surge in the amount of data available, which has led to the creation of more complex models across various fields. However, this progress comes with a price tag. The power law scaling for vision and language models suggests that for every step up in performance, we need to increase our computational power tenfold. One of the main assumptions of these power laws is that the data used for training is sampled uniformly throughout the process. But what if we could be more selective with our data? This is where active learning comes in. Active learning is a method where we prioritize our data, focusing on the data that contributes the most to our task performance. This way, we can improve our data efficiency and reduce the cost of training. In the past, We've selected data based on specific features, like removing images that don't fit a certain shape or only contain one color. This can improve training efficiency with little computational cost. However, these methods are limited by the expertise of the person designing them and may not work for different models, data types, or tasks. Recently, we've seen promising results from model-based filtering methods. These methods focus on training with hard data and omit easy data, as determined by the learner model's loss. We've seen similar efficiency gains in language modeling, where pre-trained models are used to exclude low-quality data. However, these methods often use as much computation in curating the datasets as they gain from pre-training. This means that overall, they're less efficient than training on uniformly sampled data. In our work, we're looking into whether we can design data selection policies that are more efficient. We want to see if we can reach our target performance with less computation, including the pre-training of reference models and the inference needed for data selection, than an equivalent training run with uniformly sampled data. To do this, we're exploring a new active learning framework where data is scored for prioritized sampling using models that are smaller and cheaper than the learner model being trained. Here's a summary of our contributions. 1. We've benchmarked heuristics for large-scale pre-training and investigated various scoring functions that quantify the importance of examples during training. We found that removing noise with pre-trained models is essential for accelerating learning from large-scale datasets, with efficiency gains up to 46%. 2. We've looked into whether scoring metrics derived from a particular model scale can be generalized to larger models. We found that learnability scores are robust, with 1,000 times smaller scoring models still providing significant efficiency gains. Thanks to these efficient scoring models, we've reached a compute-positive regime, matching the baseline performance with 25% fewer flops. 3. We found our framework to be a powerful tool for multimodal data curation. Using reference models pre-trained on small, clean datasets, we've been able to accelerate and improve pre-training on much larger, noisier datasets, yielding strong performance on several multimodal understanding tasks. 4. We've shown that data selection policies can be trained on one task and used to accelerate the training of subsequent models on different but related tasks. This suggests that such policies can be easily derived from pre-trained models. 5. Lastly, We've shown that pre-trained reference models may not be necessary at all. These models are small and can be trained in parallel in an accelerated manner on larger batches than the learner model, while still being compute positive. In the past, one approach to data selection was to identify and select data before training. Some researchers have shown that norms of the gradient or prediction error can be used to discard around half of CIFAR10 with no loss in performance. Others have argued that data pruning to create foundation datasets can theoretically reduce neural scaling laws from power law to exponential given access to a high-quality scoring metric. 
These methods have been used for the curation of web-scale datasets in both language modeling and multimodal learning, demonstrating large reductions in the amount of data required along with performance improvements. However, these methods have their limitations. For example, they can't adapt to the state of the model, which is a problem in the single epoch regime that is becoming typical of large model training. Pre-filtering can be as expensive as learning from it, a shortcoming which we address in our work. An alternative to the foundation dataset approach is to continuously filter data throughout training. This is known as online active learning, which applies naturally to the semi-infinite, single epoch regime. One approach is to score, filter and train all using the same learner model. This has the theoretical advantage that the importance of data can be determined relative to the current state of the learner. However, none of these approaches have demonstrated that the cost of scoring can be mitigated to the point of justifying learner efficiency gains. Finally, there have also been combinations of related ideas in the meta-learning literature, which share the goal of improving overall training efficiency at the cost of per-update complexity. For example, some researchers have introduced online data selection at each step within a short optimization horizon and demonstrated both impressive memory savings and improved performance. For Q&A tasks in the LLM space, others have shown how a meta-learned weighting model can learn to mask the contribution of unimportant subsequences to the overall loss, improving results. Section Summary In this section, the authors discuss the challenges of maintaining progress in developing sophisticated models due to the power law scaling of computation required for vision and language models. They propose active learning approaches that prioritize data selection to improve data efficiency and reduce training costs. The authors investigate a model-based active learning framework that uses smaller and cheaper models to score and prioritize data for training resulting in significant efficiency gains and improved performance on multimodal understanding tasks. They also compare their approach to data pruning and online active learning methods and highlight the benefits of their framework in terms of learner efficiency gains. Section. Methods. In this section, we'll talk about the motivation, design, and practical implementation of our active learning framework. We'll discuss how to run online data selection and training simultaneously. Explore which statistics could be relevant for large-scale data selection. Analyze the cost of existing active learning frameworks and explain why we introduced our own. We'll also describe how to apply our framework to large-scale classification and multimodal learning. We approach data selection as prioritized replay from a reinforcement learning perspective. Here, data generation and learning processes are separated. We apply this framework to standard visual learning tasks by sampling uniformly from the training set and assigning a score to each data point using model parameters. Given a large enough collection of scored examples stored in a memory bank, we sample non-uniformly according to their scores. The actors continuously read data, compute scores, and write the scored data to the memory bank in parallel to the learning process. This allows maximum utilization of the hardware accelerators needed for learning by offloading the data processing and scoring tasks to actors which can utilize more cost-effective asynchronous computation. We explore a few statistics for model-based prioritization, grouped into two categories. The first category is example difficulty. An intuitive prioritization scheme might favor difficult examples as measured by their training loss while removing easy examples that are trivially classified and which yield small gradients. This loss-based prioritization can use the current parameters of the learner or those of a fixed model. The opposite argument can be made for favoring examples that are easily solved by a well-trained model, as such a prioritization removes the noisy examples present in large-scale datasets. The second category is example learnability. 
Given that favoring easy and hard examples target different and potentially orthogonal properties of the data, a natural question is whether these policies can be combined. Learnability criteria straightforwardly combine the two as favoring examples that are easily solved by a well-trained model but challenging to the learner in its current state, such that more computation dedicated to this example could lower its loss. Conversely, examples that are trivially classified by the learner are mislabeled, will yield low or high losses for both the current learner and the well-trained one, leading to low learnability scores. While model-based data selection policies have demonstrated savings in terms of learner computation, none, to the best of our knowledge, produce overall savings when also accounting for the computation associated with the data selection process, which requires taking forward passes over candidate data. The requirements for compute positivity can therefore be expressed as a balance between the cost of scoring an example, the number of examples scored per training example, and the saving relative to IID training in terms of learner updates. We illustrate in figure the different contexts in which parts of this computation may be effectively amortized. In the streaming and or large-scale model training regime where data is not repeated nor seen before, in order to be compute positive, either all of the reference model training, actor scoring and learner efficiency terms must be made smaller to produce net savings versus IID. Typical prioritization schemes can produce saving on the order of 50%, suggesting that savings must also be made by downscaling the other terms. We explore whether replacing the learner model in term 1 of equation with a much smaller model can still produce comparable learner efficiency gains to those already observed. Specifically, we introduce a third, online, model, which has the same architecture and size as the reference model, but is trained in parallel with the learner. In this case, the cost of scoring examples reduces and can be arbitrarily scaled down along with the reference model. We instantiate our method for two canonical pre-training tasks visual classification and multimodal learning, which we call class act and active clip respectively. Section summary. In this section, the authors discuss their active learning framework, which involves parallelizing online data selection during training. They explore different statistics for prioritizing data selection, such as example difficulty and learnability criteria. They also address the computational cost associated with data selection and propose methods to make the overall process computationally efficient. Section. Losses for canonical visual pre-training tasks. In this section, we'll discuss the losses for standard visual pre-training tasks. For visual classification, we use the standard cross-entropy loss for both the actors and learners. This is based on the logits, or the raw output values, produced by the model. For multimodal learning, learners optimize the contrastive loss, which is a combination of image-to-text and text-to-image losses. The actor loss, on the other hand, is simply the dot product similarity between image and text embeddings. These embeddings are the output of the model when it processes the image and text inputs. We conducted our experiments using vision transformers, which have strong baselines across different model sizes. We focused on two main tasks, large-scale classification on the JFT300M dataset and multimodal contrastive learning. For the first task, we use the classification performance on a held-out set as the evaluation metric. For the second task, we evaluated the model on standard multimodal transfer tasks, such as ImageNet zero-shot classification and image-to-text or text-to-image retrieval on the COCO dataset. In our experiments, we used a large batch of training data, which we refer to as the super-batch, and a smaller prioritized batch, which we call the sub-batch. We filtered out 50% of the randomly sampled data, resulting in a ratio of 2 between the size of the super-batch and the sub-batch. 
we evaluated several loss-based scoring heuristics on their ability to speed up supervised classification on the JFT dataset. One intuitive method is to prioritize training on data with high loss under the learner. However, this method only slightly improved performance and was not significantly better than the baseline. This is because data points with high loss may also be unlearnable due to label noise. Scoring methods based on pre-trained reference models performed much better. Both easy reference prioritization and prioritizing based on learnability produced significant gains over random sampling. However, these methods come at the cost of additional inference passes required to score the data during learner training, plus the cost of training the reference model. To address this issue, we introduced a set of downscaled models with the same vision transformer architecture that we used to score data for training a larger model. We found that loss-based prioritization is very sensitive to the capacity of the scoring model. On the other hand, prioritized sampling according to example learnability yielded robust gains, even when the scoring models are significantly scaled down. Our experiments demonstrate that, with the appropriate scoring criterion, online and reference models can be significantly downscaled and still produce comparative gains to the larger models. As a result, our method, which we call class act, quickly becomes more efficient as the online and reference models are downscaled. This results in speed-ups in the time it takes to train the model for a given batch size. In conclusion, our results suggest that an optimal data selection strategy depends on the specific context. If pre-trained models are available, some of the cost of larger data selection policies can be discounted. If savings in time outweigh the associated cost of scoring, large models can be used for data selection. However, in cases where no component of the framework can be amortized, prioritizing data with small class act models can deliver large savings in total computation. Section Summary The section discusses different loss-based scoring heuristics for accelerating supervised classification and multimodal contrastive learning tasks. While prioritizing data with high loss under the learner marginally improved performance, scoring methods based on pre-trained reference models, such as easy reference prioritization and learnability-based scoring, produce significant gains. To address the compute cost of scoring, a set of downscaled models with the same architecture were introduced, which showed that prioritizing data based on their scores can yield non-negligible speedups even with significantly smaller scoring models. Section. Generalizing neural scaling laws to the active learning setting. We decided to explore how Class Act, a model we've been working on, behaves when we increase the computational resources allocated to it. We use two different models, VIT-T and VIT-S, to train a larger model, VIT-L. As expected, the VIT-S model performed slightly better than the VIT-T model when we didn't consider the computational cost of scoring, figure, left. However, when we did take into account the total computational cost, the difference between the two models was less noticeable, figure, right. Our findings suggest that the scaling laws we've observed in large-scale independent and identically distributed IID models, such as language models and vision transformers, can also apply to non-IID sampling. This is the first time we've shown that these scaling laws can be manipulated to our advantage by using model-based scoring heuristics to select data. We also found that if we don't already have a reference model, we need to train one. This adds a layer of complexity to the training process, especially when using large-scale infrastructure. However, we discovered that by reducing the size of the reference model, we can compute both inference passes and gradients over a much larger batch than the learner model can handle. This suggests that we could train the smaller reference model online, at the same time as the larger learner model and the smaller online model. 
We tested this idea by training our reference model on a superbatch that was 10 times the size of the subbatch used to train the online and learner models. We also doubled the learning rate for the reference model to ensure it converged quickly. We found that this approach worked just as well as training the reference model on a separate set of data. Our new setup, which we call Online Class Act, performed just as well as the pre-trained Class Act pipeline in our experiments. We also found that by separating the scoring models from the learner model, we could significantly reduce the size of the scoring models with only a minor impact on performance. We also introduced a third model, the online model, which has the same architecture and number of parameters as the reference model. This allowed us to reduce the computational cost of the actor model. We then applied our active learning method, which we call active clip, to multimodal learning. We found that by actively selecting the data used for training, we could train large-scale image classifiers with less total compute. Depending on the evaluation metric and reference model configuration, this approach sped up multimodal pre-training by 18 to 48 percent. We also found that we could train our reference models on related but distinct datasets. In some cases, this cross-training approach even seemed to offer some benefits. For example, models trained on the Align dataset with a reference model also trained on Align performed similarly to models trained on the LTIP dataset. However, the LTIP-trained models outperformed the Align-trained models, possibly because the LTIP dataset is less noisy and therefore produces cleaner scoring policies. Finally, we found that active data selection greatly improved the utility of the Align dataset, suggesting that it contains a large proportion of low-quality training data. We also discovered that pre-training a reference model on clean data can facilitate learning on larger, noisy data. We trained a reference model on the LTIP dataset, then used it to train a new model on a mixture of LTIP and Align data. This approach allowed Active Clip to outperform models trained with significantly more data on ImageNet zero-shot classification and COCO retrieval. Section Summary The authors investigated the scaling behavior of Class Act in the active learning setting and found that the difference in performance between different actor models was less pronounced when accounting for total flops. They also demonstrated that by decoupling the scoring models from the learner model, it is possible to significantly downscale the scoring models with minor degradation to performance. Additionally, they showed that their active clip method, which leverages pre-training a reference model on clean data, outperformed models trained with significantly more data on ImageNet zero-shot classification and COCO retrieval. Section. Discussion. In this study, we've introduced a novel method for active data selection that refines and simplifies the idea of learnability. Our tests show that this method can significantly cut down the computational resources needed for large-scale pre-training, compared to the traditional independent and identically distributed, IID, training. As far as we know, this is the first active learning method that is more efficient than IID training when considering total floating-point operations, flops, and it doesn't depend on manually designed features, making it widely applicable across different training setups. We've confirmed this by demonstrating results on classification and contrastive pre-training. We found that our data selection strategies continue to enhance efficiency in large-scale scenarios and can effectively generalize across different task types. Our experiments also highlight a trade-off that allows us to balance the computation used for data selection against the savings in training iterations. This suggests a different route to improved performance beyond just increasing training batch sizes. In this study, we focused on supervised pre-training for images, but future work could extend our method to other types of data and training schemes, such as language, video, and generative modeling. It's important to note that all our experiments only filtered 50% of the data.
We could potentially achieve further gains by filtering more aggressively, but this would come with additional overheads. Specifically, aggressive data selection combined with efficient scoring schemes like the ones we proposed here could test the theory that large-scale pre-training can benefit from exponential, rather than power law, scaling behavior. The references section includes a list of all the sources we used in our research. These include works by Amro Abbas, Kushal Tiryamala, Daniel Samig, Surya Gangalai, Aris Morkos, and many others. These sources cover a wide range of topics, from data-efficient learning at web scale through semantic deduplication to the DeepMind JAX ecosystem, and from active bias in training more accurate neural networks to the use of transformers for image recognition at scale. Section Summary The authors have introduced a new method for active data selection that simplifies the concept of learnability and significantly reduces computation in large-scale pre-training compared to uniform IID training. Their experiments demonstrate that this approach is more efficient than IID training when considering total flops and does not rely on hand-designed features, making it applicable to various training setups. The authors suggest that further work can extend this method to other modalities and training schemes, such as language, video, and generative modeling. Section. Appendix. Supplementary Methods. Let's delve into the additional methods used in this study. We'll start by discussing how we calculated the total compute. The average number of floating point operations, flops, for each learner update during an independent and identically distributed IID training run is three times the cost of a single learner inference pass. This is because a gradient update costs about three times the inference passes. When it comes to easy reference prioritization, the average flops per learner update is calculated by adding three times the cost of a single learner inference pass and a certain factor times the cost of a reference, then multiplying this sum by the learner speedup compared to IAD. This result is then added to three times the cost of a reference. For row, the calculation is similar, but the factor times the cost of a reference is added to the cost of a single learner inference pass before being multiplied by the learner speedup. For active clip or class act, the calculation is again similar, but the factor times the cost of a reference is doubled before being added to three times the cost of a single learner inference pass and multiplied by the learner speedup. The conditions for compute positivity are met when the sum of three times the cost of a single learner inference pass and the factor times the cost of an action, multiplied by the learner speedup, is less than three times the cost of a single learner inference pass. Now, let's talk about the implementation details for class act. We pre-trained on the JFT300M dataset, which contains labels for over 18,000 classes collected semi-automatically. About 20% of the examples in this dataset are mislabeled. We used standard vision transformers trained with 224 by 224 image resolution and a patch size of 16 by 16. We trained visual classifiers with softmax cross-entropy and label smoothing of 0.1 using the Atom W optimizer with a cosine learning rate decay and warm-up period of 10,000 iterations. We evaluated the performance of the learned model by applying it to a held-out set of JFT images and measuring top-1 accuracy. For active clip, we used paired image text datasets for contrastive pre-training. We experimented with Align, LTIP, and JFT300M. The model consists of a vision and text encoder. We trained the entire model using the standard contrastive loss, with the Atom W optimizer and a cosine learning rate decay. We evaluated the model's zero-shot transfer results on standard multimodal benchmarks, image text retrieval on COCO and zero-shot image classification on ImageNet. For ImageNet, we pre-computed the representations for all predefined labels and calculated the most similar label for each image. 
Section Summary The section provides details on the total compute calculations for different training methods, including IID, Easy Reference Prioritization, ROW, and Active Clip, Class Act. It also mentions the dataset, architectures, learner training, and evaluation methods used in the experiments. Section Online Class Act, Class Clip We've developed a system called Class Act, Class Clip that can be trained in a single loop. This is done by training the reference model on a larger batch of data, which we refer to as a super batch. We discovered that a super batch size of 10 times the regular batch size was enough to replicate the results of a pre-trained reference model. We didn't test our method with super batch sizes between these two values, so there might be room for further optimization. We also looked at learnability scores, which help us understand how well our model is learning. When the online model and the reference model are very similar, we can use a mathematical method called Taylor expansion to simplify the learnability scores. This simplification shows us that data points that align well with the direction of travel, the difference between the current model state and the fully trained one, will be prioritized. In a scenario where the reference model is updated based on gradients from a batch of data, the learnability of an example reduces to how well its gradient aligns with those of the batch. This means that examples that are easily solved or noisy will be given less priority. However, if we assume that the reference model is updated based on this example's gradient only, the learnability scores reduce to gradient norm prioritization. This method discards examples with small gradients but doesn't benefit from the denoising properties of the more general formulation of learnability, as noisy examples can exhibit large gradients. Our learning infrastructure is inspired by distributed reinforcement learning. Unlike in reinforcement learning where data is generated through interactions with an environment, our system reads offline data. The data is processed by remote inference servers and stored in prioritized replay data stores. The data is then sampled from the replay based on priorities determined during inference. The parameters of the inference servers are updated after each learning step. We control the ratio of data sampled to data inserted in all of our experiments to ensure stability. For instance, a samples per insert ratio of 0.5 means that half of the inserted data does not get sampled, ensuring the learner focuses on the most relevant data. We've also extended the suite of Vision Transformer VIT, models by scaling down the VIT-T model. We've designed our infrastructure to work with multiple datasets, using separate remote inference servers, run loops, and prioritized replay for each dataset. We continuously assess the performance of our models by measuring performance on held-out datasets while periodically pulling the latest parameters from the learner node. This document is part of our research titled, Bad Students Make Great Teachers. Active learning accelerates large-scale visual understanding. It was generated using the translator version 2023.2.